The best things in life are free, like this podcast. The Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the number one podcast about all things wedding-y. Save the Date is hosted by comedian, author, and all-around wedding lover, Alicia McCormick. Another fabulous episode of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. I welcome you to, I'm speaking Elizabethan style, not on purpose. I am Alicia, and I thank you very much for joining me today. One of the wonderful things about presenting this podcast, and there are a lot of wonderful things about presenting the podcast, one thing I'm particularly interested in is challenging you a little bit, getting you to think outside the box, and not just about the aesthetics of planning a wedding. I mean, we can all pick tablecloths. I always go back to tablecloths. It must be an obsession with mine. <laughs> we do look at aesthetics a lot, and uh, we talk about wearing a beautiful dress and standing up in front of all your friends and loved ones. But to be honest, you can wear the most expensive, wonderful dress, but if you aren't feeling very good on the inside or confident or happy, then what's the point? Rich and I are celebrating our third wedding anniversary this year, and I think, you know, I have changed probably a lot since the day we got married, and then we were together five years before that. We evolve as people. That's just life. Hopefully, we change every day, and we learn and and become better. Maybe. Maybe we become worse. No judgment. I don't care. Take whatever path you want to take. But leading up to your wedding, I think it's a really good time I say this in the podcast to clean house emotionally. Just think about what you want in your life and who you're marrying and why you're doing it and also how you feel about yourself and taking time to actually focus on you as a person. And that might be about eating, you know, more sensibly. It might be spending more time with your friends, going and doing a yoga class like my guest and I talk about in this podcast. I'm a big believer in doing what makes you happy. I don't have any religious affiliations. I, I often refer to spirituality as woo-woo. I'm, it's not my bag, but if it's yours, great. Whatever makes you feel good, whatever gets you through the day. So for this episode of the podcast, I wanted to take more of a holistic approach to wedding planning, looking at how you can relax more, get more out of your energy, and also feel good about yourself. Because ultimately... That's what a wedding should be making you feel. Feel good about yourself and your relationships and uh, the future. So my guest today is Jennifer Helene. She is a life coach. She's a nutritionist. She's a big advocate of yoga and so am I. And uh, she, you might have seen her on MasterChef a few years ago if you are in the US. She's a fascinating lady and she's so relaxing and calming. I In, in the interview, I just felt really... <laughs> Zen, without sounding silly. She's just got one of those voices. You go, oh, okay, I feel relaxed. Jennifer runs a bridal coaching program. If that is interesting to you, please stick around at the end of the show. You'll get all the details of where you can contact Jennifer. But she's been very generous in sharing some of her coaching and training ideas on the show today. So if you aren't able to you know, invest in that sort of program that maybe you can make a couple of small changes to your routine to really focus on you and get the best out of your day, week, month, year, life. <laughs> so here it is, my interview with Jennifer Helene. Welcome to the show, Jennifer Helene. Thank you so much for coming on the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Now, I have to bring it up. You have been on MasterChef. Yes, I'm season three of <laughs> MasterChef. I made it into the, the MasterChef kitchen and the final cast of, um, of of season three. It was really quite an experience. I bet. Now, I've worked in television a lot, and I visited the Australian MasterChef um, oh. kitchen. Oh. So I've sort of seen what you go through, the hell that is shooting those sort of shows. They're full on. 
Full on. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was quite, it was really interesting. I um, mean, everything from, you know, not having your telephone or your computer or access to the outside world yes. to, to being, you know, forced to spend 16 to 20 hours a day with people who are passionate about food, just as passionate as I am. And actually being able to talk to these people only about food, you know, for that amount of time to the rigorous, you know, changing of hotel rooms to the blindfolding, you know, on way to vacation <laughs> to the, you know, it was just outrageous. Thank God. Uh, I, you know, I was so rigorous with my yoga practice and my diet. I think that that gave me a huge leg up on how to handle all that stress. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point that a lot of people, having worked in reality television and worked in television, I've seen all the sort of background of it, and I think a lot of people when they're watching it don't really realize the crazy hours and the intense emotive sort of experience that it is. And it's great. I loved reading about how your, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but your intention of being on the show is to promote healthy eating and cooking as well because a lot of the times – no one talks about that on those sort of shows. Yeah, that was my intention. It was so pure from the get-go. I mean, really, I got on the show with a medicinal mushroom raw superfood soup and <laughs> a, a, a raw kale cacao salad. That was kind Amazing. of my my signature dish. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, though, I wasn't really able to – and I, or I was to say I wasn't successful – at my attempts to show that healthy food tastes great, because that's really where my passion is, mm-hmm. uh, to show and help people realize that, um, because it, you, you don't have to be healthy and go without. You can be healthy and have an abundance of flavor and deliciousness all the way around. If that's what we can get across today, then our job is done. <laughs> <laughs> we can retire, well, for the weekend anyway. Jennifer, that is, let's talk about the bridal coaching program because that's sort of how we connected. And I really felt that this is something that my listeners would benefit from and really learn a little bit about maintaining a sense of self. That's what I really wanted to talk to you about today when entering into a union, you know, you're focusing so much on the aesthetics of planning a wedding and getting around and organizing catering and all this sort of stuff. But sometimes we forget what it's all about and who we are, what are the paths to being true to yourself and not necessarily just becoming part of a couple? Yeah, it's a really good question. And whether you're getting married or you're, you're in a relationship, this is a, something that comes up. And I think that when we lose ourselves in the relationship, it, it's, it's damaging long-term for the relationship, frankly. Yeah. Uh, I have had, you know, many successful relationships and many unsuccessful relationships. I've been married and divorced. I'm currently in a relationship, so I do have some experience. I think your listeners also have a lot of experience with this as well. Especially when you're getting married, you have so many demands on your time. And it's really hard to find your center and to maintain your center. And when I say center, what I mean is, you know, just having your feet on the ground, knowing who you are knowing what's important to you, and then being able to respond to all the demands in your life from a place of calm and clarity and certainty instead of just reacting to life. And I think that oftentimes we hear about the word bridezilla. I want it dressed and I want it long and I want it beautiful. Because that's exactly the person that you become when you're just reacting and you're stressed out you're not getting the right food or sleep and you're just you're just trying to keep your head above water frankly the idea around the bridal coaching program is that you would create a structure for your life and you would then 
find your center, know your center, be clear and confident about who you are, where you are, and what it is you're doing. Because if you know, let's say you have 25 to-dos, but you know you've got to get these six things done just to move yourself forward. Because oftentimes when we're making decisions about what we need to do, uh, they're not always aligned with what it is we need to do to move ourselves forward. And not only for the wedding, but also in your relationship, but most importantly for yourself and your own growth and development. Tell me about yoga. If you've never tried it before, some people are a little wary of it going, oh, I'm not flexible. Oh, I don't think I could do it. (laughs) Gosh, yoga is so close to my heart. It has been there for me through everything. So it is the foundation and fuel for everything that I am and everything that I do. And I think yoga is for everyone. And there's a lot of different styles of yoga that are out there. So if you're someone who loves to run, you might really enjoy Bikram yoga or power yoga. If you're someone who's maybe recovering from an injury, restorative yoga may be a better option for you. If you like to just have fun and be silly, perhaps you know, acro yoga would be fun. I mean, there's so many different kinds these days. If you look at people who practice yoga most of their lives, they're not aging and they don't get injured and they look fabulous. Um, that's relatively superficial, but you know, selling it sometimes it depends on where your where your I would call pain point is. You know, everyone has something they're working on, something that's on their frontal lobe, something that is kind of bothering them. Oh, I wish my skin was clearer. I wish I weighed less. Or I wish you know, I wasn't aging as quickly as I am. And yoga really solves for all of those things. So I would recommend that find a class. Uh, that you like and, and start practicing and see what it has to offer you because like you said you get that feeling yeah you do and I spoke uh, recently on the podcast I uh, wanted to say to people if it's not ex- I mean you can do yoga for free you do a you can do it at home on your own in your lounge room it doesn't really matter but Lululemon yeah. run whenever you see a Lululemon uh, I can't say Lululemon properly it's like a little tongue twister Lululemon <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Lululemon. Lululemon shops, stores, they all of their stores want run free yoga classes. Now I, I did sort of say, look, you've got to do the yoga surrounded by all of their enticing sportswear that, you know, it's very clever marketing because I do yoga in their class and go, Oh, I want to buy those pants. But it, you know, you, it's free. You can go along and have a crack at it and, and experience it without joining, you know, expensive retreat or going along and doing that if that's not your bag. But I, I highly encourage you to go along and just try one class and not have any sort of negative thoughts about not being flexible or whatever, because it is a, it's a personal practice too, isn't it, Jennifer? It's not about beating other people or being better than other people. Right. But, you know, I have to say, if I'm really honest with you and with myself, when I started I was so competitive with myself. <laughs> so so am I. Don't worry. I look around my class going, oh, I'm lower than you. I can bend yeah. in. <laughs> I think just human. And, you know, um, you know, I try, you know, it was funny because the, the yoga teacher, I, it was in New York City. It was my way of coping of living in New York City. And it was right. either that or, you know, something else. But that that's what I ended up doing. And the teacher would keep saying, you know, this is not a competition. And I mean, I know he was talking to me because I was like so hardcore. I just, you know, I thought, how, how is it that I work out every day at the gym? I lift weights. I do my abs, you know, upper body one day, lower body the next day. And I can't do any of these yoga poses. I was in total competition with myself and everyone else who was practicing yoga. 
Um, so it served me, but you're right. It's a personal practice. And I think if you're inflexible, you will become more flexible. Actually, being inflexible is much more protective for you in yoga long term than being flexible. If you're overly flexible, you most likely will injure yourself. Believe it or not, someone who is very flexible um, will not have the same kind of sensitivity that a person who is inflexible. So whether you're flexible or inflexible, there's props. And so, again, you have to kind of shop around to find the right instructor who knows uh, how to speak to you. I'm the U.S. representative for the Institute of Yogic Sciences in Bern, Switzerland, and I run a teacher training here in the U.S., and we work with props so that yoga can be made for every body. And when you say props, just for people who have never done yoga before, it's not. we're not talking comedy props. It's nothing crazy. It's nothing <laughs> weird. <laughs> You're talking about blocks and straps and various yeah. uh, assisting Blankets. needs. Yeah. Exactly. So um, that you can be in alignment. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're doing a pose that's relatively advanced and your body isn't ready, then you need to take precautions to protect your body and respect where it is today. Yeah. Acknowledge yeah. that and you know, be grateful for the fact that you can bend forward, you know, even if it's not as far as your neighbor. But it's it's very good for the mind, the body, the spirit. I mean, it's just, in my opinion, the, the mother of all exercises. I agree. And I feel like in the lead up to your wedding, do yourself a favor and hook up with your local yoga class and just do six weeks, even just have a six week, make the commitment to go once a week, experience that. Because I also feel it's it's not, there's no loud music. It's not about someone shouting at you. Sometimes I really enjoy those classes and get really vibed by, you know, someone going, lift harder. And you're like, whoa, all right, I'll do it. But <laughs> I really enjoy at the end of you know, a good, every good yoga class should have a small meditation at the end. And yeah. it's really, it's something, you know, you don't have access to your phone. You lie there and it's complete silence, hopefully, and you're in your own head. And that's very rare that we're in that moment in our lives ever. Yeah. It's definitely, if you really want to get the glow, yoga is is a huge part of that because it will make you glow from the inside out because of how it's um, cleaning your body out and how it's aligning your, your energy. That's really, it's a, really what it's doing also. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's working on a very deep level. If you have a good teacher, definitely find a good teacher. That's so important. Someone that you like, someone you like their voice, you like their style, that you feel good, and that's the indicator. No one really talks about this, but after your yoga class, you should feel good. You shouldn't yes, feel stressed yes. out or tired. That's how you know it was a good yoga class. You should feel that energy, like just what you were talking about, just that that peaceful calm, but lots of energy still. Like You called it warm. What, did you, what else did you say? Oh, it was a bit of a glow. It was good high energy. Actually, the last class I did, and this perfectly sums up what we're talking about, is it was at a, a really lovely yoga studio that I just wanted to go and try. And they did a they did a little trial. It wasn't a full price. I thought, I'll go and see, and then I'll see if I'm going to make the commitment. And I will, because they're very good. But yes. I went along, and there were people of all shapes and sizes, and perhaps the sassiest old broad, and I'm sure she would be encouraging me of calling her this I reckon she was 80 looked 60 was and we go back about competitive she was better at yoga than me than I but <laughs> completely embraced it and I I would bet your bottom dollar that she goes you know four or five times a week but to me I just looked at her and went this is what it's all about that people 
embrace it and enjoy it and you watch everyone float out of that class going, all right, ready for the day now. And yeah, uh, yeah it was great. great. That's one of the reasons that keeps me motivated, to be honest, is that I know that when I'm 60, I'm going to be even better than I am today if I keep up. And that that's really a huge motivation for me. Jennifer, I think if we can get, if, if the listeners can get anything out of this episode, and, and I'm not saying you have to make hugely radical changes to your life, because let's be honest, 90% of people listening won't go out and, and completely change their diets or go to 14 yoga classes. I wish they would, but they're probably not going to. But we little, make little changes to our lives can make big results in the end. A wedding is radical. I agree with you. Over 90% of the people are, are in that category. But I feel like when you're getting married, it's such a great opportunity. And, and it's such an incredible time to make the changes that you've wanted to make for yourself, but also for the person that you, you see yourself as, the person you want to become. And there's that possibility there to make radical changes all in service of your greatest self, your best version of yourself. And if you could prove yourself that you could do it, you know, because when you're getting married, there's this different energy. There's like this, this, this velocity. It's like, I'm going to do it. I'm getting married. It's like the most important moment of your life outside of, you know, the birth of your child or perhaps the death of a parent, you know, there aren't that many experiences that are going to rival your wedding day and that's a great opportunity i'm glad you said that because you're right there's a drive there that a lot of people don't have and i think you see that from aesthetically people say i'm gonna lose all this weight and then i get really sad when i watch people take crazy risks with their health and also making silly decisions sort of doing things in a fad way and then put all the weight back on or say I'm going to really be better in my relationships and then everything falls apart and it's all shit by the end of, you know, three weeks later, they're not speaking to their loved ones and friends again because they've had a falling out. It's a really good time in your life to make some clear choices, but it's a matter of grabbing hold of them and keeping them. That's that's the big thing, I think. So you have to look a lot deeper than just, okay, what are you eating and then what, how are you exercising? It's, it's so much deeper than that. It's really, if you don't look deeper, those changes are not going to be sustainable. And that is, you know, behavioral change, you know, fundamentally proven um, that that doesn't doesn't work. And that's why systems like Weight Watchers are so successful because there's that the accountability system. You get really strong, like strengthening a muscle so that it actually becomes your new automatic way of being. It becomes your new reflex. I think a lot of people are suspicious of therapy, coaching, you know, self reflection and inflection and again i don't think it has to be attached to any form of spirituality it's got nothing to do with that i suppose in the sense of 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 deciding who you are as a person it doesn't have to be attached to religion or prayer or anything does it right no does not absolutely not and the suspicion you know is is rightly so Um, i personally um didn't believe in therapy um i definitely saw results in coaching so i became a believer um, but I just felt like it was a big waste of time, uh, <laughs> frankly. But I'm also someone who's very self-motivated. Um, but I've seen time and time again that my clients get the results they came for, and I know that it works. And so now I've you know, become a, a believer. But you do have to be suspicious. There's a lot of people who aren't well-trained, who are frauds. You know, they're, they're not living the path themselves. And so I think you have to err on the side of caution, especially when you're talking about something so intimate. Look at feelings as signposts. I look at emotions as uh, things that we that, that are important to to deal with, um, but we I, I see a lot of people just numbing out. Not that I am immune to that, or I've never done that before, but 
I think it's really important to get real. We aren't very good of speaking about how we feel and we aren't very good at telling people when they hurt our feelings or communicating to them that we want to be better at with to each other and yeah. I really feel sad that we, and especially during times of stress, and again, I get all these lovely listeners writing to me with these sort of awful family problems, which I, yeah. especially when it comes time, especially when it's around a time of love and emotion like weddings, we can be pretty hardcore on each other. Oh, absolutely. Especially when it comes to family and mm. when it comes to an event like a wedding. And I think that we weren't really taught how to express yourself. Um, this is actually an excellent book that's called Getting Real. Um, and first of all, getting real with yourself and getting your, your own emotions dealt with so that you can communicate effectively with others. Because if we're not actually sorting out how we feel about something, ultimately, that's when the passive aggressiveness that's comes out. That's when the uh, anger comes out. That's when kind of all the problems start if we're not really like looking at ourselves. And that's really what the coaching also helps with. And when you're getting married, all of that escalates exponentially. And that's never going to go away. And learning tools on how to get yourself sorted out. I mean, organized really isn't a, a, a word because you've got all this emotion, you're in breakdown, you know, things aren't working out the way you want them to, which happens to us all. And then what do you do about it? Well, you've got to really get real. You've got to be honest with yourself. Okay, this is what's going on. And then you've got to figure out what your approach is going to be because how you're reflecting back to the world, so what you're reflecting as a result of your emotions comes out into the world and the world gets reflected back to you. And so if the world is not reflecting back to you in a way that you like, there's usually something that's out of alignment with the way you're being. And that's what the word ontological means. I'm an ontological coach. It's around how you're being. You can shift you, your way of being so that the world reflects back to you differently. And not a lot of people make that correlation. They just assume things happen because they happen. And that may be true, but I actually would hold a case that that's not true. In what way? Do you mean if I am going to be treating my bridesmaid like shit, she's going to come back at me with that? Or do you think it's more about how uh, I say treat your bridesmaid like shit in the sense of going, well, she's my friend, she'll put up with it, I'm stressed, I can be like this, I'm acting like a psycho. Or... Is yeah. that what you're sort of getting out of going that you put that yeah, energy so, out there? You're going to get it back? Yeah. yeah. I mean, people will be patient with you because you're the bride. Um, but, <laughs> Sometimes you know, they shouldn't. Sometimes they should just be going, hey, I'm a human being. Treat me like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but, but basically you're doing long-term damage. And I think if people don't realize that, and I, I have a failed marriage behind me, so I can, I can attest to this, that how you're acting has long-term ramifications for the quality of your relationship. And not everybody's willing to take that degree of responsibility yeah. for yeah. the way they're acting and, and that, that they may not be ready, but there's a certain maturity that, um, that can be cultivated. And that's part of what coaching does. It's a kind of education on how to cultivate that kind of maturity so that you learn how to cope. You know, who, who taught us how to cope? You know, I grew up in a, in a somewhat verbally abusive family. I didn't realize that was verbally abusive until I was being verbally abusive and it was damaging my relationships, you know? Um, so it all depends on what you want to create and then looking at yourself and being really honest. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to create this until I kind of deal with this. The reflection piece is, is, is key. Reflecting to yourself first so that you can reflect out into the world that which you want to be, but yeah, being at yeah. choice around it. 
that's such a great point that you're making about kids and talking to kids about uh, how to speak emotively and how to say, I'm not really feeling great about this. And I think a lot of the times I feel the same way about my childhood. There's many things in my childhood that I think in hindsight, oof, that I wouldn't have, you know, that's probably not the best way to have handled that adults. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, a re- reflection of now as adults, we can sort of figure that out and not make the same mistakes, I suppose. Yeah, no one's perfect. You know, we're all just trying. But if we can at least take our, you know, keep swinging, you know, trying, you know, at least we can just improve our swing. You know, like it's a baseball analogy, which is kind of funny because, you know, you're in the UK. <laughs> but, um, you know, we got to keep practicing and, you know, we can only just try to do our best. And, and you know, being 100 percent, you know, something we can aim for. But I think we're all human. But at least if we can have some intent behind it and not just be flying off the cuff um, and being irresponsible, um, that that's reckless. And, yeah, I think we need to, to start being really honest with ourselves and taking responsibility for our health, for our lives, for our experiences, for our relationships. I think the world would be a different place if we could really start to own that. I really wanted to do this episode with you, Jennifer, because I talk a lot about the aesthetics of planning a wedding going through the process, buying stuff, booking things, pretty dresses. But I think we really do neglect feelings, looking after ourselves both in our mind and our body and also really uh, thinking about who we want to be as people as well. Yeah, I'm really glad that, that that you decided to do this episode because if that piece isn't intact, all the other stuff isn't as much fun, I think. Yes. That's so true because it is fun. And I keep going on and on and on about going, if you're not having fun when planning this wedding, deep breath and think about why you're not having fun. Is it because not enough money? I mean, we're all in different situations, planning very different events and having different relationships and different family situations. But if you're not having a cracking good time, then just stop and reevaluate. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's what life's for, in my opinion. And what, what a great memory to have, that how much fun you had planning the wedding, how you didn't take it too seriously, but you got it all done. And it was it was the way you wanted to. And you generated the experience that it was authentic and it wasn't just uh, somehow, you know, thrown together with a lot of upset. Sometimes we look at Pinterest boards and stuff and get involved in the, the image of the wedding. But to actually have photos of you having genuine joy and thinking, oh, that was a really amazing period of my life, which will lead on to plenty more amazing periods. Because I also think we do focus a lot on this being, and I'm using air quotes, which you can't see because this is audio, of course, uh, the best day of your life, the most amazing day of your life. And I think that it's a bit of a ripoff in a way because you're not really allowing the rest of your life to also contain many best days of your life. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. And and we can choose that. You know, it is kind of, that's a really good point. Love that. It's powerful. Oh, thank you. Bam. Boom. We'll just print some t-shirts and we'll both be very wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's, but you know, it is true. There's a perpetuation of, and, and of course, I love reading a wedding magazine. I love looking at all the blogs. That inspires me and gives me lots of topics to talk about. But also, I feel really passionate about not putting so much onus on this one big event when yeah. it's it's sort of about maintaining happiness for the next 
70 to 1,000 years, depending on how we all choose to live. So I think it's really important. Jennifer, a lot of my listeners are in different financial pitch situations, different emotional situations. Not everyone can afford to hire a coach or be a part of a coaching situation. What are some of the key you know, takeaways that people can take from this episode and hope to sort of implement in their lives to make a bit of a change? I think first and foremost, it uh, depends on what, what it is they want to achieve. So if they can identify what their goal is for the wedding. Now, for some people, the goal is just to relax and have fun. For others, it's to be radiant. Um, so I think that's the first and foremost thing, to really be clear about what it is you want to create for your wedding or maybe even for your life or for your relationship, whatever's the most important thing for you. For some brides, it's really about the event. For others, it's really about the union. So it's just very different. You know, maybe it's also bringing the families together. So whatever your goal is, identify it. That's really, really key. Additionally, it would be important for you to start to align your actions with that goal. So if the goal is um, grace and ease, you know, to really try to insert those things into your experiences in ways in which you can generate. So for example, if you're running late, um, for your fitting, you know, and you're stressing out about it, you know, just to try to recall, actually, I really want to create grace and ease for this event, you know, and take a deep breath, as you said, or do whatever is required to kind of call you back into being so that you can stay aligned with that goal every step of the way. If beauty is, you know, one of your goals and, and weight loss, then it's really important to clean up your diet uh, and start taking time to exercise. That's going to be critical. And more importantly, also, your makeup can't look good on your face if you're not, if your skin isn't, isn't really beautiful. And that's going to require um, a little bit of, you know, detoxification, you know, lots of hydration, um, increasing fruits and vegetables in your life. Um, and, and, and exercise. And you can't so, just do that one week before the wedding. I had a, <laughs> a friend, a, a hair and makeup artist who sort of said, a wonderful lady called Alicia Poxrucker, and she's um, a great hair and makeup artist, but she said, you know what, I've got these great skills, but unless your skin is healthy, I can't work miracles on something if it's dry, if it's pimply, whatever. And all these people sort of come to her in the wedding makeup trial three weeks before the wedding and say, great, I've got this, uh, I've got this eczema or I've got this sort of problems here and they expect her to fix it. She sort of says, you make these changes in your diet and look into why your skin's reacting that way three months before, six months before you will have that glow. Yeah, that's why um, you know, my, the bridal coaching program is a four-month program because you know, even one week, if you've just been, been one week into kind of paying more attention to reducing caffeine, uh, reducing carbohydrates and sugar, and increasing uh, vegetables and fruits and water, you're going to see a detox reaction that's going to come through the skin. It's inevitable. Uh, and you, you may have some, you know, blemishes or, you know, maybe some dark circles under your eyes. But once you're past that, you know, you really start to, to shed, uh, that, that, those dead skin cells and, and it really your skin becomes smoother, more elastic, younger. Uh, it just really, it's amazing to see it. It's almost like it's really beautiful and, and it's really actually not hard to do. Um, so that's, I think for every bride, that's a priority is to, to look beautiful, uh, in the pictures. And in order to look beautiful in the pictures, as a Ford model, I can attest that, you know, proper makeup. So having professional makeup done or, you know, good foundation, uh, but that foundation has to be laid atop 
up healthy, beautiful skin. Basically just giving your body nutrients, high quality food so that you can have high quality energy to do all the things that you have to do. So I think really for everybody, uh, that's got to be a priority. And reducing sugar. Sugar is just really not going to give you energy. It's not going to give you beauty. It's uh, if, if you could do one thing, it will be really to cut out or significantly reduce sugar. Leaving sugar out of my diet, we've been, Rich and I have been sugar free for about two and a half years now, and it has changed my life. I can't even tell you how much, besides the, the, I have lost weight, but also just the, the lethargy that I used to feel at three o'clock in the afternoon. And I would, I was a Kit Kat problem. I had a Kit Kat problem. You know, it was the idea to go, oh, I need the, I need the sugar to feel good and to feel energized. I suppose in a similar way that people would go and have a cup of coffee. And it was, I would say, I'm not going to lie. It was sort of hard removing it from our diets, but we had a complete pantry clean out. We really have just changed our attitude to eating. And I still eat lots of yummy, naturally sweet things, but I do not miss that feeling of heaviness and also that sort of, I I honestly, and this is going to sound crazy to people that eat a lot of sugar now, but if I have something, if I go out and I have a meal that has sugar and there's so many hidden uh, additives in, in, in food, I get sort of palpitations and a little hungover the next day if I've eaten something. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's in everything. I mean, if you eat yogurt, if you eat salad dressings, sauces, I mean, it's in everything. Yeah. Now, now it's really clear to me. Um, and you too, probably from being off of it for so long, but it, it is an addictive substance and it keeps you in a loop of addiction. And that, that's really, really tricky. It's hard to manage your emotions when you're, um, you know, addicted to something. It's yeah. really. And, and, you know, there's a, a organization called Food Addicts Anonymous, like Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous, and their abstinence is no flour, no sugar. Day one starts when you, you know, you, so those things are really important. It will help you um, not crave in the same way, uh, and it will help you be able to get more honest with yourself and manage your emotions more easily and your energy. Most importantly, I think when you're a bride and you're planning for a wedding, you need all the energy that you can get because you've got a lot to do. Yeah. And cutting out sugar is going to help you stay even in your mood. It's going to help give you more energy long-term. There's about a three-day detox um, when you when you cut sugar out. So if you can just be patient with yourself for those three days, eat uh, you know almonds, drink tons of water, take some vitamin C, and just kind of you know, get three days. Yeah. Then, then you should be fine. Let's face it. There's going to be sugar in your wedding cake. Um, Look, have a piece of cake, enjoy the cake. You can't not yeah. enjoy the piece of cake. <laughs> exactly. But again, it's just keeping your relationship with it in check so that it's not controlling you, but you get to choose it. If you're going to have a glass of wine or some champagne, you know, that it's that you're, you're at choice around it, that it, but it's not the thing that's controlling you. Yes, I think good, that's good critical. Point. No, I think, and also to go, there's always an attachment as well. Like you said, it's an addiction thing. If you Google, there's been a great study where you Google, um, you look at brain scans and people eating sugar, it triggers exactly the part of the brain that if you're doing crack cocaine, you know, yeah. it's the same thing. So it, it is, it's addictive. It's completely taking over our, our eating, which is such a shame to think that it's what was once a treat many a year ago has now become completely involved in our everyday eating. Yeah, but I think we also need to pay attention to the emotional aspect of why those foods are are so important to to us. I know for a long time for me, 
I ate those foods daily because it helped to ground me and it was fulfilling an emotional need that I wasn't getting met elsewhere. But it wasn't until I was courageous enough to look at that, could I, you know, learn to, could I resolve it? And again, it would have just been willpower if I had, you know, and I did, I put it down for a few weeks and then I pick it back up. I put it down for a few weeks and then pick it back up. And it's, it's a cycle that many of us are in and, and now it's gone. I don't, I don't need it anymore, but, but there was a time that I did and it, there was a process that I had to go through. So I think for brides, you know, if, if they could walk away from this episode with, with something valuable, it would be to, to get a roadmap. And that roadmap is guided by what it is you want to create on your wedding day. And then to use that goal as your, as your guide along the way. That's a really critical thing. And also to keep your, keep yourself fueled with nutrients that are going to give you energy and stability to, to make this process of getting married a joyful and, and happy one. What a, I couldn't think of a better way to sum up the episode and to finish our lovely conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, Jennifer, where do we where do we do that? Well, you can go to my website. It's www.jennifer-helene.com. And there's more information about the Bridal Coaching Program and blogs with recipes and ideas and lifestyle tips. Um, that's a wealth of information that may be of interest to you uh, on Facebook. Um, you can find me as well, uh, Twitter. <laughs> so She's I'm, everywhere. I'm, I love it. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, but but the, I think the blog has, you know, the, the website, you know, has really the, the, the wealth of, of, of insight um, and in-depth information and recipes, fun, fun superfood recipes to try. Um, I personally post mostly about raw vegan food um, so that may provide some ideas for you. I love your approach to it all. I love your enthusiasm and energy. And uh, if, as I said, even if 90% of the things that we talk about today, people go, I don't want to try blue-green algae or whatever. I don't want cocoa. As long as you change, and I get it. A lot of you might say that, but I just really want you to feel invigorated about your health and feeling that you might have a bit of an authentic experience, not just about buying stuff. There it is. Beautiful. (laughs) Thank you so much. No, thank you. Save the date wedding podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.